I just believe there's such an atmosphere of victory today. You know, as we were worshiping in first service and even as we did this song right now in second service, I was thinking about the fact that we are praising in the middle of a pandemic. We are worshiping in the middle of a world, world that is at, full of worry. There's something so powerful about this moment right here because there's so many things, if you look around in society, that are crumbling and falling and shaking, but we have an unshakable kingdom. And today, as we're here to worship the Lord, I just believe there's victory that God wants to do in your life. So if you would do this, just raise your hands. And whatever that thing is in your life that you're contending for, maybe an area in your health, your marriage, and your family, uh, something in your business, whatever it may be, Lord, we're just praying right now that as we praise and worship you, God, we thank you that you are here and that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, we might be in the middle of a world that is worried and freaked out and panicked and insecure and neurotic and all this kind of stuff. But we are safe and secure in your hands, and we have victory. We are more than conquerors in you. And Lord, I thank you that you turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. Lord, you do miracles, and we're praying for that to break out right now. And God, even as we pray for ourselves and our families, we lift up our city to you. God, I thank you that you've not turned your back on the city of Eugene and Springfield. Lord, this isn't a place that's forsaken. God, we bless our city. We thank you that you've called us to be here as salt and light in this place to proclaim your love and proclaim the gospel that saves and heals and restores and changes things. You've not given up on the state of Oregon. You've not given up on the United States of America. God, let your kingdom come. Your will be done in us and through us in this place. Lord, we praise you today. Come on, church. We praise you, Jesus. You're worthy. You are worthy of our praise. We worship you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Now, hey, if you're like, man, I came to church today and I don't know what this amen thing is. And Jake, you sound like some kind of Pentecostal preacher up there or something like that. Hey, just, just, just be cool and act like you know what's going on. You know, it's like when, when Bethany takes me to fancy restaurants and I have to pretend like I know what I'm doing there. And I'm like, I have to watch the most snooty person in the restaurant. What do they do with the fork? You know, what fork am I supposed to use for this, this course right now? That's what you do in church. You just look for the most religious looking person. And so, I mean, you look for that person with like their, you know, the, some people are really good at worship. They know they have like multiple hand moves that morph to the song. You know what I'm talking about? You just look at them and you do what they do and you'll be, you'll be fine here in this atmosphere. You guys, uh, we have a special treat today. Some of the, the most dear, incredible people uh, to Bethany and I are here to uh, speak with us today. Pastor Jess and Brenda Strickland. And uh, Pastor Jess and Brenda have known me probably, you know my parents before I was even born. And then, of course, everything got better when I was born, you know, just improved everything. But I just say that in humility because it's true. But um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're like, I don't like him. That's okay. Join the club. But um, uh, Pastor Jess and Brenda have been incredible father and mother in the Lord to us and just a personal encouragement to Bethany and I. They've taken us under their wing even before we, we planted Joy Church and uh, just have, have really ministered healing and God's grace to us and encouraging us and, and helping uh, us along the way. Not only uh, that, but they pastor this incredible church in Aloha, Beaverton area for so many years and have just left a legacy uh, uh, as they continue to do so of people following Jesus, uh, not flashy, not fancy, not putting on a big show, just authentically helping people follow Jesus and have been such a great example. I can truly say there are probably less than a handful of men and women that if I could be like them when I get a little bit older. I'm not saying that you're old, Pastor Jess. I'm just saying he's just a slightly older than me. But when I, 
advance, you know, if I could be just a little bit like you guys, that would be tremendous. I know Bethany and I feel that way. And so we honor you. Uh, we love you. And we're so grateful that you're here to share with us today. And uh, I will bring you a table. So Pastor Jess and Brenda, can we just welcome them uh, up today? Good. Thank you, Pastor Jacob. Stay up here just for a moment. Bethany, if you just come up here, if you don't mind. I do this sometimes. I'll come places and uh, I come from like, our church is like what? A mile from Nike, I think it is. And Phil Knight comes and does all these wonderful things to the ducks. So I think you guys, I want to give you shoes. But I want to say this <laughs> as I give you shoes. The smaller box, I believe, is going to be for you. Large box. And if you don't like them, call my daughter and get them replaced. But when you wear these shoes, I want to say something to you. You guys started in integrity. And your hearts are just always been, been full on for God. And I want you to know there's going to be an intense anointing on you to finish your course and to complete your race and to do it with tremendous victory. So we stretch our hands toward this great couple and we pray for them, Lord Jesus. Enable them, Father. Live in them, Jesus, to finish the course in this church, to finish the course of this generation and to do so with strength and victory, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys very much, love you. They are, I know you know this, they are among the highest caliber and quality of leaders in, certainly in Oregon, and I mean it, in the United States. They are very, very special people and I don't know how things work around here. I don't know if Jake has seen more than Bethany, but do not underestimate uh, Bethany. She is a strength in her own right. You probably know that, but she's a beautiful pastor, and uh, we just love them very, very much. Loved worship today, and Judah, I was so glad. I guess you don't do it every Sunday, so thank you, uh, Pastor Jacob, for letting him lead worship when I'm here, because I love that guy and his family. So, And it's just it's so good to be here today, and it's emotional for me. As in, I try to steal myself because I realized being young, planted a church, merged a few, did all the stuff that you do, none of this comes easy. It comes with weightlifting, it comes with sorrow, and you know, are we doing the right thing and all that. It, this is tremendous. Great job, Joy Fellowship in Eugene. I mean, you guys, the, the building, and just as you're moving along, uh, and I know this is heavy lifting, and he was just telling me how sacrificially you've given just a few moments ago. So I just want to say bless you and thank you. And here you're creating not only a group of people that worship and love Jesus together, but you're trying to put together a really good environment where people can come and be formed by Christ. So anyway, just, just excellent job. So I want to say thank you. I'm going to start with a story this morning. It's uh, it's going to go simply just like this. There was a, a king named Gustav, and uh, he built a ship called the Vasa, and while he's uh, building it, he had designed it to be a certain way, and then he decided to add and add and add to it. Some stories say that he you know, made it twice the length that it was. It was after 330 years, they finally brought it up out of the water and restored it uh, a little bit. But it was, a, it, was just an, it was just an amazing ship. But what he did is he was so focused on the ship, he decided that he would, he would make it bigger. It took 1,000 trees to go into this ship. It was you know, going to have like 32 cannons on it. It went to 64. And then, and then he, he got these gargoyles and he had the best sculptors in his nation sculpted. He wanted this ship, which it 
ended up doing, he wanted it to represent the glory of the nation of Sweden. So there he puts it out to sail uh, in that harbor. And it was just like it would, it would take your breath away. And it's just amazing what people can do uh, when they put focus on it. I go to another story now. I, I ask men who they are a lot. When I'm working with leaders, I ask them, who are you? And then they will tell me. And almost always, we tend to do this, we almost always define who we are by either our achievements or our titles, our positions. And they'll always start with that. And then I'll go for a walk with them, and then here's how we'll go. The walk will start like this. No, tell me how you got here. Well, I was born in this place, blah, 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 and then they tell me how they got here. I said, no, you're, you're missing the question. You're walking with me right now, and I want you to go back as early as you need to, and then I'll help them a little bit with it, and I'll say, I need to know how you got here right now, because if you can't tell me how you got here right now, I don't think you can ever figure out who you really are, because you are not your achievement, and neither are you a title. I am not a pastor today. I'm something different than that. So they'll start telling me, here's a kind of a, a little bit of a made-up story. A guy told me, he said, well, Pastor Jess, when I was a young, young man in your church and I was in high school, I was sitting on the back row and so-and-so reached over to me and said, let's get out of here. And we got out of there. And he said, we went down to this coffee shop and uh, we had coffee together and that day we made a decision to leave God and we left God. And then he goes on and he tells me kind of more of this story. And, and, then, and, then, he, and then he tells me, he said, uh, there was one night that I was living with my brother. And he wanted to sleep with his girlfriend. And he says, you need to get out of here. And so he said, I, I left there and went and had some uh, coffee while he was doing his thing. And, and, and then he said, when I was there, he said, I really became aware of how far from Jesus I was. And he said, I was just there for hours, not going back. He said, this, this heavy thing was on me, but he said, I had no desire to return to him. He goes on and he, he tells me this story and then finally he tells me this other story. He says, one night, this is a big moment in my life, he said, uh, I decided that I wanted to go and I wanted to get myself a cup, cup of coffee, so I go to this coffee shop and, and and I see for the first time there a girl that we meet that night. I end up taking her on a date, and then we end up getting married. And he's telling me just the story. And it goes on and on, and, and then he tells me that they got engaged, and then he said, as they're getting engaged, he says, she lost the ring. And he said, I did something very weird. He said, I went and I put posters up saying, if you found this ring, please let me know, because my, my girlfriend has lost this ring and we need it. He said, never thought we'd get it back. But he said, somebody called off of these posters. He said, I'm just gluing them on like phone posts and stuff around the area where she lost it. I, he said, I just didn't know what to do because this was like, she was kind of a, a little bit of a Buddhist. This was really bad luck to lose your ring. And so it was really distressing them. And he said, but I get a call a few days later. And a gal says, like, can we meet somewhere? Because I'd like to talk to you about this ring. And he said, well, sure. And so they meet up at a, at a coffee shop and what this lady does in this coffee shop is she says, I don't have your ring. But he said, she said, years ago, there was a guy that we we're going to get married. He's on the East Coast. We're on the uh, West Coast. 
And we decided that this was not going to work to end up in a marriage where we had to live in two different places. So we felt like we should not get married. I gave him the ring back, but he didn't want it back. So he, he says, I'm sitting with a ring worth about $12,000, and I think I'm supposed to give it to you. Would you like it? And they kind of look at each other, think we would. I mean, it's a beautiful ring. And so they take the ring from her, and she says, listen, could I just pray over the two of you? I'm a Christian. Could I just, would you mind me praying for you? Well, if you're going to give us a ring, you can pretty well pray all you want. And so... <laughs> She prays this prayer, and he says, as they're praying, she's praying this prayer, her and this, this girlfriend, they're just weeping and crying. They're just absolutely overcome by the moment. They lift up their heads. When they lift up their heads, she's gone, and they can't see her. Now, they know it wasn't an angel or anything like that. I mean, the ring's on the finger. They, they know this is a real person, but it was almost like an angel that vanished. I asked him one question. I said, where did that happen at? He said, well, Starbucks. When you met your wife, where did that happen? Starbucks. When you went down that night when your brother wanted to sleep with somebody and you're there and God is kind of overcoming you because you knew you probably shouldn't have done that, where are you at? Starbucks. And I said, did it happen to be all four times the same Starbucks? And he just froze. He said, it did. It was exactly the same Starbucks. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this really, really fast. This sometimes takes hours for me to do with a guy. But then I ask them, who are you? And I'm trying to get them away from any religious thing at all because I'm wanting to show them something that happens in all of our lives. And he finally says it. I says, give me the word. I am the guy who God, you fill in, in the term. He said, well... He said, and when you see this about your life, it breaks you down. He says, well, I am the guy who God Starbucked. Now, I know that sounds weird to you, but four times in a row, and he hadn't even realized it until that moment, because I had him tell his whole story that God brought him back there. I started looking at people in the Bible. I won't go through all this. I started looking at people in the Bible, reading through Abraham's life right now. I tell you what I think. If I were to take Abraham on a walk, I think this is what he would tell me. I said, who are you, Abraham? I think he would say, well, I am the guy who God appears to. And my suggestion this morning is you are the guy and the girl that God appears to, and you may not know it. Now, I do have, I, I think, a little bit of a gift, because if I were to take you out on a walk, I could probably show you. And you would find in your life something that God has done sequentially again and again and again and again in you that you're not even aware of because he's constantly appearing to us. And there's something about this. If you can focus on the right thing, our person, great things can be accomplished. But if you focus on the wrong thing, disaster might be awaiting your life. I want to look at one scripture and make just three points, and we're done. It's that simple. Here we go. A good tree, I'm sorry, this is going to be in Luke chapter 6, verse 43. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. 
What is a good tree? There's only one way. When, when you're thinking about what, what is the very thing that I want God to do in my life? Like, what is, what is, the, thing, what is the thing he is going to assess me for for which I will feel, oh, this was the thing I was longing to hear from you. And what is the other things we don't want to hear him say? Could, could I tell you what it is? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you are not longing for that to be said over your life, now this is kind of mean, you might be wrongly focused. So I'm a Christian, I'm not wrongly focused. You might be. There's a lot of people in America that are Christians that are wrongly focused. See, the thing that I long for more than anything else is for him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because all life, all spiritual life, all that is good, all that is wonder, all that is amazing comes from his fidelity. The, the, the very walking into a relationship with God is built on faith. That word faith is pistis, and it doesn't mean really, it means this, but it means so much more than just real strong belief. It, 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 was, a, it was a military term. It, it, was, it, was, it was what would be used of like a soldier when he's giving his allegiance to his king. I'm giving you my fidelity. Jesus copted that term, and he says, not the law, not religion, not other things. Let your fidelity be given to a person the person of Jesus Christ. Let your allegiance be given to him. When I walk through life, this is the thing that I want more than anything else. I would just like the faithfulness of Jesus to be lived out in me. And that's what this verse is dealing with. He's simply saying, as we look at this, a good tree, faithful tree doesn't produce unfaithfulness. So we'll hold it. I, I could never be perfectly faithful. I know. That's why we come to him and we get forgiveness and we wash all that out of us and he replaces his fidelity in us and we go again. That's the great thing about Jesus. So he gets we can't be perfectly sinless, but we can be perfectly faithful. Why? Because we come back to him. We give him our hearts. We say, God, do you let you see where I've been? I need Jesus' faithfulness back. He washes all that out that was in us that was wrong and he drops Jesus down into us again. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree, unfaithfulness, never produces a faithful person. Each tree is known by its fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes picked from a bramble bush. And by the word, this issue of fidelity and faith, it was core to everything Jesus was doing. You can't even hardly understand love without it. As a good person, excuse me, a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart, an evil person. What is evil? So you have a choice in the garden. In the garden, there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Here's how you were built, Adam and Eve. You were built to give your absolute allegiance to God. Now you can make a decision. Don't give your absolute allegiance to God. Give your allegiance to self and what you want. Now you can know the difference of giving your allegiance to God or giving your allegiance to self. But when you do it, you'll separate yourself and you'll die. So what is Jesus doing? He's coming back to restore the original heart of fidelity. Salvation is not, please forgive me my sins, I get to go to heaven. Salvation is, I am messed up on the inside and Jesus, you're the answer. The thing that I'm supposed to be, you can return to the inside of me. 
And that's really a lot of this passage is what he's dealing with this. An evil person produces evil out of the evil that's stored up in his heart. For out of his mouth, he speaks from the overflow of the heart. And really what happens, depending on the nature that's within you, you live in kind of a remote way. In other words, the obsessive desires that are within us have us already pre-programmed to react in a certain way. Meaning, I'll just use this quick example, and don't get mad because you'll say, I don't like him. I'm gone next week. You're going to have your pastor back. It's going to be wonderful. So this, is, this will be wonderful. And listen, said like he has great hair, gray hair, I, like he might be losing his mind. So you can have all these things that discount everything I'm saying, but you, you just might want to think about this. So when I look at just like the Lord's day, that's today, and church, okay? Some people would say, well, I'm going to the beach today. I'm doing this. I'm doing the other thing today. Well, why? Because I desire to do it. What if God would never want you to go to do anything on Sunday but go to church? Uh, he would never want that. Why would you think that? Because, see, our obsessive desires has blocked God out of ever talking to us about that. Now, are you saying that faithfulness is coming to church every Sunday? I'm just saying this. If you're a Christian, that's not the question. The question is everything we do, God, I'm either coming to church or I'm going to the beach, but here's why I'm doing it, because I'm wanting Jesus to express faithfulness to the Father through me. That, that's the issue. So I'm make, making no value judgments on what we do, but Jesus does make value judgments on the motives inside of our heart. Does that make sense to you? So what Jesus likes to do is he likes us to spend time with him opening up our heart so he can talk to us about what is on the inside of our heart. Because in your life, he's been appearing to you. Whether you've known him, whether you've been a Buddhist or raised in the church, he has been appearing to you. Why? Because he deeply loves you. But I haven't been a Christian. That doesn't matter. He doesn't love me more than you because I've been walking with him for a few years. That I have really learned because a lot of things I do, I know better and I keep hidden from him. So what he wants to do is he wants to engage us in this relationship where, he can, where we will open up and all the desires we have on, set on, to, on obsession, like I'm going to do this and I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to let you look at it because I'm really going to stay the Lord of my life. He wants to open that up and talk to us about that so we can even be freer. Voila, starving. Some of you are doing starving. That's why I wrote it. I wrote it to try to let Jesus, people have a chance to let Jesus inside to say, Jess, I want to touch on that. I want to appear to you. The only way he can appear to you is in your head. He's got to touch your mind. And so we quiet ourselves down enough to let him touch our mind and say, I see that right there. Would you let that move out of the way so I can give you the fidelity of my son so the same way the son was faithful to the father, you can be faithful to the father also. We open our hearts and we let him in. Okay, saying that then, could I just share with you, because when this is all over, one thing that we've noticed in our church, we've done starving for four or five years. I, I wrote another book just to shake things up and that's a whole nother issue. But I wrote a, another book just to shake things up. But every single year, the goal is, you're doing this kind of devotional thing for 21 days, 
And then maybe when you're done, you'll keep going. You'll keep spending time with Jesus. You keep looking back on your life and seeing, even if you weren't walking with him, how have you been dealing with my life and how have you been jumping in and how have you been taking care of me? To be seated in heavenly places is just simply to do this. Set your affections and your thoughts on God and let him talk to you and reveal to you what he is doing and what he wants to do. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to give you three ways. I think they're going to come up on the screen. Just, this is it. Like, uh, we, we, how, how many of you enjoyed the introduction to this sermon? Okay, now we're in the body and the closing of it, and it's going to happen really, really fast because that's how I preach. Like, wow, it's a great introduction, but now we're going to settle into the closing. The closing is going, wow, where, where did it go? So just look at, these, look at these words here. When you're in your devotional life, read with your heart. In other words, don't be resisting him. I want to talk about how you use your money. What? What? Tithing. What? You know, no. Open, say, listen, you're my Lord, not me. Talk to me. I'm not going to resist you. Number two, silence your mind. Here's, here's the devil's greatest trick. I'm, I, you know, I do, I, this is a whole other subject, but I do silence before the Lord, so I'm, I'm getting all silent, and then I remember something that somebody did to me. Ever do this before? And I said, boy, if I see him again, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. Any of you ever do that? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you, like, we're, we're gonna, Jesus is going to talk to you about fibbing here uh, in your life somewhere. We just about always do that. So here's what i got to say when I get off of that, because we do that. I say, Jesus, I'm back. Why? Because I'm trying to get the judgment out of me. I'm trying to get the negativity out of me. Because Jesus wants to come back and he wants to show me what he delights in. So silence your mind to judgment. Number three, these are just things you can do when you're reading your Bible and you're spending time with Jesus. Number three, words from your fingers. Write stuff. I'm not a writer. My wife would tell you, I'm not a writer. Don't write very much then. But write some things down, and what happens when you write stuff, you'll start hearing the voice of God. He will open things up to you at different levels. If you're not a writer, don't write a lot. Just write a sentence or two. But you'll find something in the writing, in the slowing down and the writing of things down, God will touch you and speak to you in a wonderful way. So Gustav, he sends the ship out. And there it is, it's, it's sailing. Because if you focus your mind on something, you can accomplish something great. However, a few thousand yards out into the bay, a gusty wind comes up and sinks it. And essentially because they were preoccupied with how stuff looked on the outside, the king cared about the outside of the ship and not the sail, not what was going on underneath. Could I make a suggestion to you? Care about your inner thought life above all else because that is where Jesus can birth his own fidelity. See, you can't be faithful to Jesus. You cannot claim he is your Lord unless the Holy Spirit is doing it. But when the Holy Spirit is moving and you're saying, you want to know something? I want to give Jesus the lordship of my life. That means the Holy Spirit is active, and he's doing that. And so the very fidelity, because nothing else will work, the very fidelity of Jesus comes back to us, and we were restored to be the people that God created us to be. Now, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. And may when you spend time with Jesus, he open you up and show you who you really are. May God make a 
Starbuck out of you, or you may have a whole bunch of other words where you've met with him, but may you personally know he is the God who appears to me in Jesus' name. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Jess. That was incredible. Uh, I'm a little conflicted, as always, but uh, number one, God is working in my heart today, and I'm so overjoyed about that, but number two, I'm very jealous of how good a preacher you are. So again, it's that conflicting thing going on. Would you just raise your hand if the Lord spoke something to you today from that message? You know, I, I think, I see hands all over the place. You don't have to lie. You know, there's enough people that, if he didn't, it's okay. Some of you chief fans and things are so worried about, you know, what's going to happen next. Man, I'm not going to re-preach his message or anything I couldn't even do a third of as good of a job. But what I want to just point out for us today you know, if I could highlight one thing that we could walk away with today, it's not so much, do I go to church on Sunday? Did I read my Bible today? You know, did I do all the right stuff that I'm supposed to do? Did I make sure and get day 17 on starving, absolutely nailed, perfect, and did it right? It's saying, did I open my heart today and let Jesus speak to me about what he wants to speak to me? Something the Lord's been doing in my life through this journey, going, Bethany and I have been doing the book as well, Starving, and um, something the Lord has been really showing me through this journey is that oftentimes what I'm willing to let him work on is still me in control and me, me in command rather than him. So I'll say, Lord, you know, today I know you that I'm really, I'm not doing a great job in this area. And I, I keep feeling him say, hold on a second, stop. I haven't talking to you about that. See, what I'm doing is bringing God superficial things that I'm comfortable to let him deal with. And when the more religious you get, I mean, I've been a Christian for since I was about four or five years old. So I've gotten really good at this where I can basically feel pretty justified that I'm giving God some sins out of my life today. And I'm, you know, doing that. But a lot of times what I'm willing to give to the Lord, he doesn't even care about that day. He'll probably care about it tomorrow, but he doesn't today. What he really wanted was something else. And it's that deeper place, that inner life. And if we just would imagine, you know, just opening up our hearts, opening up that inner place in our life and saying, Lord, the pain, the shame, the secret stuff, the, maybe the stuff that isn't, other people wouldn't even go, man, that's really bad or whatever. But it's just the stuff that you're holding in that secret place, just opening it up and saying, you're, you're Lord, your king, you deal with what you want to deal with. That's what God's been doing in me. Um, even through this journey with starving, I've just realized how preoccupied I am with sports and entertainment. And I told Bethany, I don't really need to do this media fast thing. <laughs> She's so gracious to me. She's kind of like, but you do. <laughs> like, I rebuke you, Satan, in Jesus' name. But the Lord has just really been, been showing me where I'm often in control of my spiritual journey, and I want to let the Holy Spirit be in control. And, uh, and I believe God wants to do that. Can we just pray and receive today what Pastor Jess spoke so, so well over us today? Lord, we thank you that we don't fast, we don't, we don't go through this journey of starving just to be empty, to be more religious or to earn some points with you. Lord, we, we do it because we want to be close to you. We want to be filled with relationship with you. God, I pray that today as we have heard this great message that we wouldn't just let it go in one ear and out the other and leave and go again, jump right back into sports and entertainment and 
work and whatever it may be. But Lord, we would, we would really mark this moment and say, Jesus, I want to be open to you. I want you to have your way in me. Your kingdom come, your will be done, not just in the world, but in my own spiritual life, in my heart. And Lord, I pray that you would deal with that thing inside of us, Lord, each day that you want to deal with. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't try to go farther. We wouldn't try to go less. We would just say, Lord, I'm open and I trust you. God, I pray that we would know, as, as those of us that have walked with you for, for years do know, that you are always faithful, you are always good, you are always kind, you are always merciful, always gracious. You never abuse, you never uh, go too far and hurt us, Lord, when you deal with something in our life. Lord, you are always so good, and you always bring that rest and that freedom. We thank you, Lord. God, have your way in us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute? You know, I just want to give an opportunity real quick for anybody in the room today uh, and anybody that's watching with us online, joining us, Joy Church Online, whether on Facebook or YouTube or, or wherever, and just give you an opportunity to start your journey of following Jesus. I love it in the Bible because, you know, we do, we do like this thing where we ask people to make a decision to follow Jesus. We do it different ways. Sometimes we say, come down to the altar or raise your hand or pray this prayer or whatever. But Jesus said this to people. He said, come follow me. And he said that like physically. What he meant was, you basically stop doing everything you're doing and just come and let me be in charge of your life. And that's the same offer he's making to you today. Whether you understand all the theology or all the stuff about church, whether you feel experienced with church, whether you feel good or bad today, whether you think you're doing a good job, bad job, whatever, Jesus is saying, come follow me. And here's what he's promising. See, this is the guy that laid his life down for us. The the story is God loves us so much that Jesus, his son, died on a cross for our sins, paid for us to be reconciled with God. And if we will believe in that, put our faith in him, Pastor Jess talked about that, fidelity, our unfaithfulness, God takes that and gives us Jesus' faithfulness. And we're reconciled with him, we're made right with him, and we're given eternal life. And so today, I just want to give you an opportunity to make that decision, to take that step as an act of faith, as an act of saying, yes, I want to do this, I want to follow Jesus, would you just raise your hand so I can see? I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to call you to the front. Anybody in the house today, I want to raise my hand and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus today. I want to put my faith and trust in him. Awesome. And if you're online, you can do this as well. If, if that was you today, and we're all going to pray with you to, together, but would you just pray this prayer and make this a moment saying, I'm going to start this journey of following Jesus. Everybody can pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me your life at the cross. Thank you for making me right with God. I confess my sin to you. I know that I've not lived up to your standard. Thank you for paying the price for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I receive your grace and mercy, and I choose to be your follower for the rest of my days. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.